0: The light of the world. Ooh. The, the songs we sing during Christmas time, what are your favorite Christmas songs? Anyone got their favorite, or is, are you guys all over the board? Who votes NSYNC's Christmas album the greatest of all time? Anybody? Do I have a vote for NSYNC Christmas? No. What was that? You own it? At least two of us can admit that. There are so many people here that own it and don't admit it. Jay owns it, listens to it in his CD Walkman player, and he won't admit to it. Um, What are your favorite songs? Just out of curiosity. They don't have to be the Jesusy ones. I won't shame you. That's not this church except for on Mondays and Tuesdays. Um, What are your favorite Christmas songs? Do you hear what I hear? hear hear? Oh, Oh, Holy Night. That's it. Discussion's over. That is the greatest song. I'm going to tell you about experience I had before going to watch just an atrociously hilarious, bad, not good show. I don't know what it was. We got invited to go see this thing down in Ebor. That should have been my first clue to run. Um, but it, it was fun to go out and, and hang out with friends, but on the way there, I just got in one of those kicks that I get in. I don't like Christmas. If you've known me for two seconds, you know Christmas, least favorite holiday. Um, it's not that I, I used to bring everyone down on Christmas now I let my wife have a good time I just point out like here we are a non-denomination Christian church on the end of the belt of the Bible Belt here in Florida and we put up a pagan Christmas tree that we celebrate the birth of Jesus that we stole from the pagans because that was a winter solstice and Jesus wasn't actually born around this time probably born around September but that's okay because Oh Holy Night plays on the radio and we uh, were driving from from Riverview to Tampa and I said Baby, I just got to listen to this, some of these songs, and by some of these, I meant every song of "O oh, Holy Night," and I just went from version to version. So we started off with the the good one, right? You've got to do some in sync acapella. That's on the list. "O oh, Holy Night." If you haven't heard it, it's actually beautiful, with frosted tips and puffy vests. Still good. Mariah Carey, the original diva of divas. She does that thing that I can <laughs> Christina Aguilera, the first half, because then she brings in a bunch of trumpets I don't like. Josh Groban. Josh Groban is so good. Nothing sounds as good as Josh Groban um, unless we're talking about any female that sung the song. It's superior. Don't play the song. I don't want the song. What song. Which one is this? Who is this? Oh, Future of Forestry. Let's just let this simmer, you guys, because I got to play with these guys back when I was a youth pastor. Mm. Okay, turn it off. I'm going to cry. Turn it off. Turn it off. Turn it off. off. Okay. And here's my point. Like this song we listen to, and you have to know the context of my wife and my relationship. I cry a lot or I like tear up, but then I try to suck it back in. Okay. And there's certain versions that do the Lord's version where they are belting it out. They say, Christ is the Lord. Christ is the Lord. Praise his name forever. And when they sing that version, God reaches down into my tear bucket and pulls them all the way up. And I'm driving along the Selman and I'm just like <sighs> And Amy's like <laughs> again, you guys literally this happened at least 6 times because we kept listening to every version of the song. And by the time we're getting to Ebor, she's like, "Are you serious?" And I'm like <laughs> <it's just laughs> So many pollinating trees out here. And here's the reason why. It's the one time of the year. This is the, the redeeming part about having a cultural Christmas where I get to hear and see, whether they know it or not, people proclaiming that the light of the world is coming. That there is a dark world that needed a light, and the light is here. Now, the reason why it gets me is because I have all of these desires. Like, I've said many different singers. I'm like, when I get to heaven, and I think I said this in the car, when I get to heaven, if I could sing like Mariah, done. Just singing the rest of eternity. And I've said that about Michael Buble. I've said that about Jack Johnson with the guitar skills included. I've said that about many singers. And I love hearing it, but then I think, and part of what gets me sad is I think, these people are singing about the light that know nothing about what it means to be a child of light. These people are proclaiming that Christ is Lord, and and they haven't sniffed Lordship in decades, and it breaks my heart. This morning, we're looking at 1 John, the end of chapter 2 into chapter three. And the reason why I bring this up is because right now all around us, we put lights on Christmas trees. We put lights on houses. If you haven't done so yet, I would encourage you, and I've only seen the posts and the videos. There's a place in Fishhawk that's synced up to a radio station, Paloma Glades. Drive right through it. Amanda will be out there handing you gingerbread cookies, collecting cans for seeds of hope to, to have food for those who need, right? Is that about it? That's, oh, you're handing out ginger cookies? Oh, candy canes. So go do it. There's lights. Why would we do that? The the lights are to remind us that Jesus is the light of the world. Uh, That's why when I get our house built finally, I'm going to get, instead of a 26-foot Santa Claus, I'm going to get a 26-foot baby Jesus. I want to get bright lights that point to Jesus. I might take this home, this sign, for Christmas every year and put it in my lawn because Jesus is the light of the world and And for those of us who walk in him, we look distinctly different. For those of us who walk in him, we will gradually begin to live distinctly different. And it's more gradual for some than others. Amen? That was an opportunity for those of you who don't like people to say amen. So this is the word of the Lord. We're going to read it. We're going to pray. We're going to tear into it. And this is really part, there's a two-part series this week and next week. So follow along with me. It's on the screen behind me. I believe it's in the Bible events app. If you didn't scan that, you can open up the the app and go to events. If you've never done that, I can show you afterwards. We put notes in there and Bible reading plans every week. And now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Let's pray. Father, we are here because you have called us. Lord, every one of your sons and daughters in this room, you've called to be here this morning. Those online, you have called to tune in this morning. And it's not for a pick-me-up advice purpose it's for a cosmic divine intervention upon our souls that those in here who have looked at the light but never walked in the light would know what it looks like that those in here who maybe have called themselves christians but don't understand what it means to abide in you they, they would know lord and that, that i would know more and more that you would take those parts of me that want to run from you and that you would tie them to you that you would graciously Connect me to you more and more. Lord, let your word go forth this morning and change hearts and lives, change the way we think and feel and live. Lord, make us people who abide in your presence and not just look upon you from afar. We're your kids, in Jesus' name. Amen. Little children, abide in him, so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame. In TV shows, it's so common to see people say in in real life, well, I can't go to church. If I go to church, the lightning bolt will strike. If I go to church, I'll implode into flames. There's something very interesting about being a child of God. And right here, John is telling us, look, I want you children to abide in Jesus, to connect to Jesus, to live in Jesus, so that when Jesus comes, you don't shrink from him in shame at his coming. You don't say, ah, what did I do? But many of us still believe this. Many of us still act this way. I know it to be true because we still have these weird church rules that that I mock often, and I mock them intentionally. The ones like, and I'll joke about it, when people lie to me in the foyer, I say, you just lied to a pastor in a church building. That's a triple sin times two. And they look at me like, is it real? And I don't even give them a clue that I'm being sarcastic. I'm like, yes, it is. Are your feet feeling warmer? Is the hellfire creeping up upon you? And then I tell them I'm joking. You see, it's easy for shame to exist in churches. We're really good at shaming people, but John wants you to know, look, if you abide in Jesus, when he comes, there's no shame. Do you know why there's no shame? Because our shame is put where? On the cross. I'm glad that someone said that instead of on the Christmas tree. That would have been really disappointing for me as a pastor. But you can do that to mess with me for for the rest of the service. Just know that you might be triple sinning if you say that. And in dangers of the hellfire. I'm not going to, no. If you know that he is righteous, Jesus is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. So this we're going to hear this word practice a lot in this in this passage because it's going to say if you practice sin you're not of Jesus. If you are of Jesus you practice righteousness. And some of you should be thinking ought to be thinking, well I practice sin a lot. I wore this shirt today because this is one of the most practiced sins in the body of Christ. I practice it, you practice it, it terrifies me. Let me read it for you. If you're going to talk about somebody today, talk about Jesus. Implication stop talking about other people. I do it. It's easy. It it gives me a sense of accomplishment. I know where many of us do it. If you're married, here's when you do it. End of the night. Kids are all asleep. No one is stirring, not even a mouse. You lay your head down on your pillow and you start talking all the gossip to your spouse. You wouldn't believe what I saw Betty Lou Sue do today. You wouldn't, we were at this prayer meeting. You want to know what they confessed to or your neighbor? Can you believe that our neighbor did fill in whichever blank you want? You see, it's, it's a sin that we practice and it scares me, but I, I need you to understand something here. If you've been born again, in Jesus. If you abide in Jesus, you will practice righteousness, which doesn't mean you will be sin-free. And here's how I know that. It can't mean what John already said can't be in John chapter 1. John chapter 1 says, if you say you have no sin, you are a liar. John chapter 1 verses 8 and 10 say, if you claim that you have not sinned, then then you have no righteousness in you. So I know that John didn't forget what he wrote a page and a half earlier, but he's wanting to drill a point home. And this is where it goes to. He says, look, if you abide in Jesus, you will practice righteousness. And then he transitions to give you the fuel for this fire, the fuel for this engine. He says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. Now we need to think about this for a second. What kind of love? Remember that song from the 90s? What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. I'm just seeing who head Bob's with me. You got it, you got it, two of you got it, okay. I don't know about you, all I see is Will Ferrell in my head, do you guys, is that you two or no? In that scene from, yeah, that's back when SNL was something special. What kind of love? We have so many kinds of love, and we've, we've gone over this before, but if I don't want to miss this. If you're newer to, the, to this thing we call Christianity, we, like, load in all these words. We have all these traditions, and we don't always explain them. So I just want to remind us that there are different kinds of love, and in our culture, we just have the one word. We have the love. We have the love pizza, love coffee, love my wife, love Star Trek. Like, that's the love. Same word, but we mean very different things, hopefully. I hope you love your wife differently than you love pizza, for example. What kind of love the Father has given to us? There is a kind of love. And this kind of love is something that in the Bible it's very clear because there's three words in the Greek language. That's the New Testament and three words in the Hebrew language. And there's a a friendship love. It's a love you would have for a a brother or a friend, maybe a neighbor. Then there's the erotic lust type love. It's the love where you're like, ah, got to have that. But it can flame up and fizzle out very quickly then there's the agape love that's why you see that word agape on a ton of christian ministries agape moms agape women sloppy agape the love ministries whatever you call them and that love is god's love it's the love that says i'm loving you despite you i'm loving you even if you're not going to love me i will love you and god says i loved you first god says while we were his enemies christ died for us and that showed us his love god agape the world by giving his one and only son. The kind of love here is that we would be called children of God. This concept you could study for the rest of your life. Children of God. Children of God. He's my dad. He's my dad. Like my dad, dad. Not my dad from afar. Not just like my dad who... Started my life and then did something else like he is your father and my father. He is your dad, your daddy, your papa, whatever dad is to you. That word of endearment of caring and protecting and loving no matter what. He's that dad for you and for me. Because he is that kind of dad. That would make us children of God. And so we are. That's the kind of love that we can now give to others. Now, this is where it can get a a little personal, maybe. If you, John is going to tell us, hate your brother or sister in Christ, you don't have the love of God in you. And you might think, well, I better work really hard to not hate people, to not dislike people. And in this passage, he's going to compare it to Cain and Abel later on. He's going to say, this is why, verse 12, And I didn't have them put this on the thing. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. He cut and slashed and killed his brother down because of jealousy. He cut and slashed and killed his brother down because of the envy, because his brother was doing good and he did not do what was good. Now, you may not be murderers in here. Some of you may be. I don't know. But what we all are is we are people who cut and tear and pull down. And we don't even blink to ask if this is loving or unloving. The kind of love that God gave to you is the kind of love that you can give to others. That you can offer God's love. He offers it to you, and we don't offer our love like him to others. We offer God's love to others. There's this big misnomer that in order for people to come to Jesus, they need to see Christians who look more like Jesus. There are phrases that you'll see in culture where people will say, well, I like your Christ, but I don't like the Christians. The things Jesus said sound okay, but I look at Christians. And somewhere we got the messaging really messed up. Because the purpose of Christianity isn't, look how good I am, be like me. The purpose is, I'm a son who was a wretch and adopted by a perfect God. God. Come be a part of this family where this God loves you and knows you so intimately, and the things that you're ashamed of, He dealt with on the. So that you don't have to carry it with you into eternity. We get so caught up in the nuances of Christianity that we forget this very simple truth. If you think your morality is going to lead someone to Jesus, you are lying to yourself because i know far too many people and if i think that your morality for one moment might actually be an amazing person it's just because i just met you give it 5 minutes it's very easy you can do it to me i can do it to you if i've learned anything about being a professional christian that's a joke if you're new we We can just look at somebody for two seconds and find out. You could talk to me if you took me out for coffee or pizza after this. I promise you at some point, someone's name other than Jesus coming out of my mouth. I'm like, oh, you should hear what they said. They said this. And while I'm wearing this t-shirt. Well, Ryan, how can you do that? How can you sin while wearing a t-shirt about that sin? There's a reason, you guys, why I wrote grace and mercy and it is finished on my body. It's not for anyone else. It's for me. It's to remind myself, I need grace, I need mercy, it is finished by Jesus. All that I need for spiritual life is wrapped up in Jesus because in Jesus, I became a son who the father looks at and says, that's my son. Galatians two twenty says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I'm dead, Ryan Tyrone is dead. We had this conversation at Band of Brothers yesterday because we love to, to always qualify things in the faith. Yes, we are saints. Yes, we are perfect, but we're still sinners, which is totally true. Now, here's where I take issue with it. What is your primary identity today? Do you feel awkward if I point to you and I say, Cassandra, you are a saint, holy and pure and perfect, saved by the blood of Jesus. She can't even, without laughing, it's hard. She's like, no, I am not. Look, part of me might agree with you. I don't know. But here's the reality. Do you believe that Jesus is your Lord? Have you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? Are you still doing stupid things outside of these walls? Now, which of those is more powerful? And I'm so tempted, like, I just want to judge you. You probably can judge me too. But you are a saint if you are in Christ, a saint, a perfect holy saint, a daughter of God. And when Jesus, if he ripped this building open, which I wish he would right now, so I don't have to preach next week, then, because I don't like next week's sermon either, then, then you wouldn't have to be like, oh no, God, don't do it. you would be like, my shame's over. It's on the cross. He's going to rip it open and he loves me, but we don't get it. It feels so awkward feel so awkward to be called a saint, a holy, perfect, a child of God, a prince. Like, Dave, you're a prince. You're a prince of the king of the universe. You're a co-heir with Jesus. You're going to rule and reign with Jesus. Like, for some reason, uh, you're not a good example because you're like a high up in the military. Let me choose someone who's probably not as organized. Let's go with Micah. You're a kid, so you can't be organized. Now, you probably get good grades. I need someone really unorganized, like someone whose life is a wreck. No, I, I can't call anyone after that. <laughs> Dang it, I, I pigeonholed myself, you guys. Because here's the beautiful thing about it. Like for any amount of pride that's in me, all the things that I have, these shame, shame nuggets that are popping up and saying, ooh, look at what you did, Ryan, look what you did, Ryan. You shouldn't do that, Ryan, you did this, Ryan. Like I, I finally watched National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, you guys. I watched it. Don't clap for that, sinners. I watched it. I watched it, okay? You guys, I, I can't get a line out of my head. It's uh, uh, Uncle Eddie, Cousin Eddie, when he's dumping the sewage down the thing. And it just keeps replaying in my head. If you don't know it, then you are just as holy as me because Jesus died for us. But i keep saying it that's the worst part and when you're a pastor you can't say it it's a level it's a tier two curse word okay it's the sh word and i keep like i'll just walk around and i'll see something that reminds me of it like guys in bathrobes, rv campers and i just think to myself it's full <laughs> and it's so funny to me and i don't know why i know why because part of my mind is still attached to this flesh! Ah! Martin Luther, the German, not the, the civil rights, used to lash himself because he hated his sin so much. And the Bible says your, your flesh is what houses the sin. So he would literally beat himself because he hated his sin. Like, I hate this. And I do hate my sin. And things will come out of my mouth or be in my mind or come out in my actions. And I'm like, why did I do that again? And we can either go one of two routes. We can We can live in that identity, or we can say, no, my identity is a child of God. And this happens to be something that's just slowly getting killed off by the Holy Spirit. And this is what John takes us through. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Present tense, today, in this moment, if you believe in Jesus, trust in Jesus, have given your life to Jesus, proclaim and live Jesus is Lord, you are a child of God. The reason... The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. If people look at you and they're like, I don't get it. It's because they don't know Jesus. Our job is not to convince everyone to come and follow Jesus. Our job is to say, this is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus is. Come and follow. Yes, no. And God's sheep will hear his voice. The goats won't. And that's not our job to sift and sort. It's God's job. Beloved, we are God's children now. When? When? Right now. And here's where it gets interesting. And what we will be has not yet appeared. I need you to say, already? Weak. One, two, three. Already? And then say, not yet. One, two, three. Not yet. Already? Not yet. Big doctrine, books about it written. The already, not yet. We are already sons of God. We are already adopted into God's family. We are not yet what we will be. One day we will be not wearing knee braces. One day we will be. 2020 vision. One day, like I can't wait for the day. There's certain people I just want to see in heaven just to see what they look like with hair. Okay? Like I just think it'll be bewildering to walk up, and I'm not going to call on anybody, okay? But to see you on that glorious day. Like you're one of my dear brothers. And to be like, like I I saw a picture once of you. It looked like some sort of 70s fro just tamed by goop. I don't know what it was, but you were in the military for long before that. I can't wait to see you. I can't wait when I can hang out with my kids. Like right now, I I hang out with my kids and play football and flip flops and I can't walk for like seven months probably, okay? I can't wait to just, not only that, like just let's go for a run, kids. Because now if I go on a run with either of my boys, After, like, 40 yards, I'm just like, (laughs) God, meet you around. And they just, they can run forever. I can't wait for what will be, not just in the physical sense, but when when I won't even have the inclination of shame on me anymore. Like, I'll understand what Jesus meant and what the Bible means. When it says, you don't have to feel shame before God, Jesus paid for all of it. I can't wait for the moment when I don't even think about Something that would break God's heart. We would call it sin. Where I'm not even like, ooh, what about this? I don't know what words are allowed or disallowed in heaven, to be honest. But I promise you that if someone's rocking a white robe, I'll bet you the first thought in the kingdom of God there isn't going to be like, it's full. It's full. If you've never seen the movie, I don't recommend it. Christmas story still reigns supreme. Whoever just went, ugh, this sermon is for you. Okay, so what what we will be has not yet appeared, but it, that's implied. It will appear. We will be made holy, perfectly in every respect, not just our identity, but also the way that we think, feel, live. Head, heart, hands. If you want to know what Christianity is about in transformation, just it's very easy. Head is what you think about, what you know. Heart is what you feel, and hands what you do. Representative, three things, and the more you know Christ, it influences your your thought process, your emotive process, and your living out loud process, what you do. And when we are with him, we will know, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. We get to see Jesus. This is why I love Christmas songs. I think about, I dream about seeing Jesus. This is why I love cemeteries, because it reminds me I get to see Jesus. I was thinking about when I die again recently. I thought about where do I want to get buried. And, uh, and people were like, well, you should just get cremated. It's cheaper. I was like, I don't want to get cremated. I want to get buried. And I want a big, gaudy, gold-trimmed, marble tombstone. And I want my name to be tiny on the top. Just Ryan Tyrona, 1981 to whenever, 2022, okay? Just Boom. And I want under it all to say Jesus is Lord in a big font, and in the same size font, I want it to say you're all going to die. The reason I want that is because we have pretended and pushed death off like this great taboo thing. But one day we get to see, if you're in Jesus, you get to see Jesus as he is, and he makes you like he is. He knows all the things you do now, and yet he still chose you. It's not because of how good you are. It's not because of how amazing you post on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. It's because he sees you as his precious child and he adopted you into his family and he's in the process of making you more like Jesus. And then when the curtain falls and the world ends or when you die, you will see Jesus. And he says, now you get it all, boom. And when that happens, when that happens, life will be what it was meant to be. We won't be inclined to gossip or hate or lie or cheat. We won't have fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. We'll be standing in front of the person who is love. The reason we have the word love is because God himself is love. And everyone who thus hopes in him, Jesus, purifies himself as he is pure. You want to change? Hope in Jesus. That's what that passage tells us, the end of verse 3, everyone who hopes in Jesus purifies himself as he is pure. The way to change is not to knuckle it in. The way to change is I need to put more hope in Jesus and less hope in myself. More hope in how Jesus sees me and less hope in how others see me. More hope in Jesus providing and less hope in money providing. More hope in Jesus being the person who will lead me through a difficult situation and less hope that my stupid brain can get me through a particular situation. And don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying all of us are dumb, but I am saying that the Bible says when he chose his kids, God chose those who were foolish to shame those who are wise, to show the wise, look, I don't need your big brains, big monies, big power. I'm going to choose the outcasts. And then everyone, now this is where it gets crazy. If you want to grow in Jesus, hope in Jesus. And the more you put your hope in him for different things, he will shave off those areas where you put hope in something else. If you're putting people down, since I'm going with that theme today, hope in Jesus for them and for you. Hope in Jesus that, that you are satisfied as the person he has called you and saved you to be. And you don't have to tear people down. I've been teaching my kids. Look, don't tear people down with your words. Because if you're here and they're here in your mind, if you tear someone down, that didn't make you higher. That didn't make you grow. That just put them down so you appear to be higher. So don't do that. Build them up. And as you build them up, you'll build yourself up. Hope in Jesus. Build them up in Jesus. And here's where it gets tricky for me. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. If you're new to church or if you've been around church for a long time, when we say the word sin, we all pack in our own definition of it. Sin is going against the law of God. It's one way to phrase it. Sin is going against the way God hardwired the universe and the human experience to be. That's another way to phrase it. Sin is treasuring and trusting in something that you're meant to treasure and trust Jesus in. Sin is when you give yourself over to the desires of your flesh. Sin can be defined in so many different ways, but I need you to understand that sin exists. And I, I think it's so weird when people think we don't sin. Years ago, I just got in this big old internet debate with another believer who was adamant. Like, if you're a true Christian, you don't sin. And I never enter these. And I've shared this before because it just grinded me so hard. I'm like, how does this person think they don't sin? By the way, this person, they've repented. They acknowledge that they sinned while they're writing it to me. And I feel good about that because it makes me better than them. See what I just did there? Do you see? See how fast it is? Now, you know that he appeared to take away sins. That's important. That's Christmas. Why did Jesus appear? to take away sins. And there's one more in this verse, passage is going to tell us what he came for. Christmas exists because he came to take away our sins. He didn't exist. He didn't come here so that we can have the cornucopia of these Christmas carols. He didn't come here for delicious cookies and souffles. He didn't come here for presents under the Christmas tree. One year, I promise you, one year we are doing no Christmas presents. One year we're going to take all of our money as a family, and we're just going to give it to someone else. And the reason I have to say that publicly is so that if I end up murdered one year, you'll know who killed me. It's my wife. One year we're going to do it, babe, right? Can I get an amen? That was so enthusiastic, I I fear for my life. Ryan, blink twice if you're safe. Just one year. That's all I'm asking for the Jesus. Okay. Look, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins. This is why he came. On Christmas morning, the first thing we should do is just look at each other and say, he took away our sins. That's what he did. That's why he came. He didn't come so that you could have all these things in this life. Who wants, here's the thing, here's the thing about having all the things in this life. If I say, what do you want in this life? What are your dreams? The maximum dreams you could have would be maybe a certain amount of money, a certain amount of property or acreage or car, a certain amount of health for your kids, that your kids would be decent people and love Jesus. Like, these are the things that I would say. Like, I want a boat. I want a boat. Not just any boat. Like, I covet in a bad that's one of the 10 commands, the big 10 I fail on it. And I know one person in this room that covets with me. The Aquila 70 foot power catamaran. It's the greatest. If someone dropped it right now, Skip, would we just travel like to the Bahamas? Off we go. It's not expensive, maybe 2.5 mil, maybe 3. I think we could do a boat church on it, to be honest. For Jesus. The filter is so good this morning. Just catch it all, filter. Go, Ryan's filter. Look, here's the real problem that I have. Is that I covet. I fall into wanting the approval of someone else. I will speak ill of someone else. I will get caught up in some other thing to form myself. Whether it's the love of boats. I mean, I don't even want to talk about how many houses I have saved on my Zillow app okay? And I'm building right now the Torona Osteen Manor. Like, it's getting built. I'm basically a billionaire, okay? But I look at cars and trucks and boats, and I look at vacations and campers and RVs. And it's for no purpose other than I'm coveting what other people have. And here's the thing. The best this life has to offer comes to an end in the blink of an eye. Some some Christians may want to tell you, God wants you to be wealthy. God wants you to be healthy. And I'll say, yes, that is true. God wants you to be more wealthy than you could possibly fathom. God wants you to be more healthy than you could possibly fathom. Not in this life for everyone. In this life, We said it last week. I'll say it again this week. You are promised persecution. You are promised suffering. You are promised to be hated because Jesus was was hated. You are promised if you shine the light of Christ that those who live in darkness will not like you. This is what Christ promises you in this life. Now, some of you, all of us, by standards of the Bible times, are impossibly wealthy. We have more than one outfit or two outfits. We've got cars with air conditioning. I can literally say at my new house that I don't have yet, but I will, and I'm going to do it all the time. And I don't know how this is going to work, because this is going to throw our, my marriage to my wife. It's going to throw it back into the, the battle phases, where back in the day, if you wanted to change the temperature, you had to walk all the way to the thermostat and be like, whoop, whoop, whoop. and then they walk by and they go. Whoop, whoop, whoop. I'm terrified to be in a house where I'll be like, hey, Siri, put the temp up to 76 degrees. And then as soon as I walk outside, my wife's going to be like, It's unsupported for now. My wife's gonna say, Hey Siri, turn it down to 68. And some of you go, because you're the ones like me that have to look at the electric bill and cry, but it's going to happen. And no matter what we get here, this life is over in a second. We get all the things we want. See the prosperity gospel, they have so much right, but they have the timing wrong. You are going to have more than you realize in the afterlife. It's not like you're going to get there and God's like, well, based on your crappy behavior from 1981 to 2043, you get a shack by the most beautiful crystal ocean river you've ever seen and unlimited mangoes. And Jack Johnson accepted me and he's playing on your rooftop. I'm done, Lord. Mangoes, JJ playing on my rooftop some kind of water splashing upon my feet, sand that's not like Siesta Key, but more like Kona, Hawaii. Take me home, Jesus. You're going to be like, well, the Bible talks about judging and people get these, get, they, they get more crowns in heaven. Look, if you get into heaven and you show up in just a loincloth and you don't get a regular crown, you get a Burger King paper crown, you're going to be jazzed out of your mind. It's not like we're getting there. We're going to be like, ah, ha ha ha. ha. Look at the Burger King crown guy. Ah, ha 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 ha. We're going to like, Dude, We're here. We made it. Look at this guy. We're like, is anyone hungry? Just mango just smeared down my face. Oh, not me. And some of you are thinking, "But I don't do mangoes. I'm a vegetarian." In Isaiah 55, there's this one obscure verse that says, at the feast of the lamb. There's wine and fine meats." I don't know how God does it. Okay, cause I know there's no death or killing in heaven. So this is gonna be like the OG gangster of this fake meat that we're trying to do. We're just trying to be like God on earth. Let's make an impossible burger out of plants and beet juice, ha ha ha. God's like, no, 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 no. I got something that makes Ruth Chris ribeyes, bone-in tomahawk ribeyes, makes those look like a, a McDonald's hamburger patty. Try this, just the thunk, the Flintstone thing, juice and you cut it, the blood shoots you in the eye and it's, it's dripping down your face. Like, you think, oh, that heaven can't be that good. It's better than you think. And here's where this changes us in the way that we begin to love others. This is what we get to live for. This is what we are sure of. We are sure of all these things. People today have been giving me a hard time. Just one or two people, why don't you go get your knee checked? I'm like, I just finished paying off my last surgery. I'm not going to go pay off something else, okay? Well, then you're going to have all these things, arthritis and pain and loose knees. Yeah, for like two seconds. Like, I remember kindergarten. I remember Mrs. Robinson, and I remember Brandy and Michaela chasing me down and kissing me in the cheek in kindergarten like it was yesterday. I was that kind of player, okay? <laughs> yesterday. And now, 35 years went that fast, I'll be darn lucky if I've got 35 left in the tank. So 35 years I have a knee that clicks, pops, and falls out every once and again, who cares? This is what I get. And when we get this, when we focus on this, when we zoom in and see the reality that we are now sons of God, and we will one day get the full inheritance of what God has, it makes it so easy to love people. It makes it so easy to give generously. It makes it so easy to support others because I have all the support I need. I know what I have in store. So I can love and give and sacrifice. Now, the scary verse is, is verse 6. It says, let no one who abides in Jesus, no one who lives in Jesus and lives for Jesus in this way, says, no one keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever, keyword, practices righteousness is righteous as he, Jesus, is righteous. Verse 8, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning since the beginning. Now, if you want to know, am I a real Christian? Am I a fake Christian? The answer is not to look at your life and parse out a pros and cons. Sins I do, sins I don't. What are you practicing? I used to have to come home. Um, My dad, short Filipino, and then my my first stepdad, my stepdad, uh, basketball in the family. Everyone played basketball. And there was a point in my life where I had to practice basketball before doing schoolwork. And it was just drills. And then I adopted it unknowingly. And I would literally go, shoot a thousand free throws. We're going to do a thousand free throws. A thousand free throws. I'd shoot a thousand free throws. Didn't make as many as, just shoot a thousand more. A thousand more. And you're like, a thousand literally? A thousand literally. I don't play basketball hardly at all anymore since three years ago. And that was a fluke. I hadn't played basketball for years before that. But if you take me to a basketball court, I won't make a lot of them. I'll make enough of them. You put me at that free throw line, I'm still, it's gonna take a couple minutes, and then all of a sudden, it's the same distance, it's the same feet, same footage right there, boom, 15 feet. Same with dunking, I could go up and dunk a ball, not at all. You know why I can't dunk a ball? Because I stopped practicing. You know why I'm not making ever 10 out of 10 free throws even today? Because I stopped practicing. When it says practicing sinning and practicing righteousness, are you going back to the same trough of sin over and over, and you're not repentant? You're not saying, Lord, I need help out of this. Lord, what am I hoping in that makes me keep doing this? Why do I keep coming back to this addiction? The Bible would say like a dog returns to its vomit. Or the, the picture I like more is in Jeremiah 2, verses 11 to 13, where it says, God says, here's living water, and it's a fountain bubbling up. You want life? Here it is. And then it says humans just dig out for themselves little pots of mud and say, I'm going to find my own water, God. And he says, but living water's right here. Just drink. And we're like, no, my water that I dig out. And we're here looking at dusty clay well that has no water to be seen when living water is right here. The reason why we don't like it is because we did this on our, on our own. We did this ourselves. Living water means we give the credit to him. Now, if you practice righteousness, Practice it. Like, come down. January is coming up. Fifth Sunday again. I've been waiting for this fifth Sunday. Like, we went down with my kids for the first time, and it's mostly kids that do the work. We're talking 10 to 14, 15-year-olds that do all the sandwiches. The reason we bring adults is in case is one of the homeless people gets a little rowdy. I'm guessing. Is that the only reason we bring them? So we could see that we have faith like the kids. Yeah. That too. Thank you, super Christian. So watch the kids. Like I was there, and like if you put out the shoes, and the guys that want shoes, they're bowing up to get shoes before food. They're like, forget food. I want shoes. And I looked over, and it was just like, Michael, our drummer today, I mean, no offense, you're not the biggest dude, right? And I'm like, these guys are going to take him. Because it was Michael, I think one of my kids. So I'm like, I'm going to go over there. Because apparently I could take 10 people. No. But, but it was amazing to see it. Practice Righteousness. Well, you only give me that one chance to practice it. I can only go down every fifth Sunday. Now, actually, you can go down every Sunday. You know who's there every Sunday? Charlie and his wife are there every Sunday. You want details on how to get down there? We'll get you the details. Practice righteousness with your kids. Read the Bible with your kids. And I know it's weird. It's hard. Like, I'm a pastor. I should have all these weird, cool ways to figure it out. Here's my favorite thing right now is reading the Bible with Jackson. We have a Bible plan that we read on the app together. And at night, before he goes to bed, he reads it. And he says something. And I read it and I go, ah, love it. And that's it. We're not sitting around. Let us all holdeth hands. Let us flip to the book of Revelation. Liars burn in hell. Amen. Amen. What did you think about that, Billy? What do you think about that, Slavanya? And I don't do that. And now maybe some of you might be like, well, you're a bad Christian dad. Yeah, that's the point. There's a better one. You know what my kids kids are going to remember? For all the pastor's kids, things that get jacked up, my kids are going to remember one thing. Dad said over and over again, Jesus is the perfect one. He's the messed up one. God is perfect and loved my dad, the sinful person, and made my dad a son of God. And if Jesus can love my jacked up dad, he can love jacked up me. My kids are going to look back, I hope, and pray and say, at least my dad didn't pretend to be someone else. Because I am in this position of being two feet higher than you, stage level, and then plus two feet in height level, okay? I'm not, no one's closer to Jesus here. Unless you want to go statistically, then the average lifespan of an American male is approximately 78 years old, so there's that. So statistically, some of you are closer than me. But as far as relationally, we have access. You read something in the Word? Share it with me. You see me doing something that's breaking God's heart? Share it with me. Don't come to me and say, the Lord told me this about you. Come to me and say, hey, Ryan, this is in the Bible. I was reading this today, man, and I saw your life, and this don't add up. And here's what I'll do. I'll defend myself, and then I'll repent later. I'll say, you're right. 24 hours later, you're right. I, need, I, I was living in darkness in this area. We need to help each other not practice sin, but help each other practice righteousness, give each other opportunities to practice righteousness say let's go feed the homeless let's go care for neighbors let's go mow someone's lawn let's go give someone something that they've been in need let's go connect with people and here's the only way you can practice righteousness you've got to be involved in the lives of people it's easy to be super awesome when you're all by yourself it's hard to be that cool when you're with other people because you'll see different opinions you'll see different perspectives and you may not like them if we ever become a church where everyone believes the same thing and votes the exact same way and holds all the same beliefs, I will be terrified, run, and quit. I'll get my boat, and me and Skip are going to the Bahamas. See, we, we need to be in each other's lives to the point where we can see things. And this is where it gets really hard. Practice righteousness. Don't practice sinning because the devil's been sinning since the beginning. Sinning is his works, and his, this is the other reason for Christmas. The end of verse 8, the reason... The Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to take away sin. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Somewhat synonymous, but there's a nuance of difference. Satan and evil and sin are actively trying to unravel your life by getting you to think about yourself and love yourself more and not give a care about others or give just enough of a care so it doesn't inconvenience yourself. Jesus came to destroy that. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. We won't go back to that trough over and over and over again and just relish and sit and practice it. You may go back to that trough, but you'll walk away every time saying, I need to replace that with something. It's the Bible's program. If you have a sin, replace it with the opposite good. If you're stealing, go get a job and give more. If you're lusting, there's, well, that's a big old long sermon. I can't really do that now, but we'll do that later at Band of Brothers next Saturday. If you're coveting, become content. How do you become content? Stop looking at what other people have. How do you do that? Turn off your stinking cell phones and Facebook and social media and Instagram. Close your eyes. Walk around blind. Jesus, for a very important reason, said, if you're lusting, pluck out your eyes. Because he knows. And he didn't mean to pluck out your eyes. So in case you're new here, I'm not. don't pluck out your eyes. But if you wore like eye patches for a day, I think it's pretty cool. Or if you do what I did to my students when I was a Bible teacher, I made them pin a picture of Jesus from the Passion looking up at them. I said, pin it to your shoulder for a day and see how you feel. And all the kids were like, I couldn't sin all day because they had white Jesus looking at them. I put a picture. We were walking on a night walk recently and Silas and I found this, just one of those oil paintings of white Jesus. And I took it, it was in the trash of someone's front yard. And I said, dude, get that. And we're sort of walking around Panther Trace with white Jesus, and we put him up, and he's right in our hallway where we were living, my folks' house, where our house getting built. It's right in the hallway, looks into the bathroom, looks into the hallway. There's our room, Bella's room, and Silas will just walk by and be like, hey, white Jesus, and if we pray near there, he's like, amen, and he looks over to like white Jesus, and part of me is like, this is blasphemy, I think. I really screwed up on this one, and then two days later, I'm like, look at White Jesus just looking at me. However they paint those paintings, it's like that ride at the haunted house at Disney where they're looking at you no matter which way you look. White Jesus is always watching. One of our children's workers today, uh, Miss Gail, she won a pack of stickers. So if you see one in your car, I apologize. It's her, not me. She won a pack of stickers that has Jesus sticking out like this and it has little bubbles. It says, I saw that. And it's to put on your car and she's got six of them. So some of you are gonna get lit up and tagged today. See, I saw that. He's trying to shame you. You don't have to walk in shame. You have Christ. When you sin, you don't wallow in your shame. If you sin, don't beat yourself up. Just say Jesus was beat up enough. I don't have to beat myself up. He saw it. He knows it. He forgave it. You don't have to do it. You're freed from it. You're freed from doing it because Jesus broke the shackles that tied you to Satan. Those shackles exist no more for you. You're free. You might still sin, but you can tell the sin right in the face of it. I don't have to do this. I've been trying to um, reduce my drinking, not because I'm holy, okay? When I die, I want, I'm going to be full in, like, whiskey, nicotine addiction, all of them, like, donuts. Like, that's my 70s. I'm saving it all. Now, the reason why I'm not is because it affects my fitness stuff. Like, it's hard. Like, it messes up your sleep. It makes you snack. It makes me snack, I should say. I will speak for me. So I had to start saying something that very, changed a lot instead of saying, I'm not drinking right now, because that's what I used to do. I'm going to take a break from drinking. I'm going to take a break from filling your sin. I'm going to take a break from Facebook. I'm going to take a break from politics. I'm going to take a break from whatever. We do that. And what we're doing is we're setting ourselves up for failure because we're acknowledging that we're going to go back to it at some point. And we do the same thing with being children of God. What you say matters. And it's not in the power of your words. Like you can't Call things down like God can, but here's what's interesting about our words, and this is the other reason I wore this shirt today. So I've had to say, I'm taking a break. Right, here's what I said: I'm only going to drink with my family on birthdays and holidays. And then like there's special days all of a sudden that are sneaking in, and then other days. So I, I'm trying to figure out what to say, but I know it's something like this: I'm just not the person that drinks like leisurely all the time or whatever. Like I'll drink on special occasions and that's it. I'm not that kind of person. All of a sudden I started saying, I'm not that kind of person and I'm, I don't crave it. I'm like, oh, this is so weird. And I, it's the same with my eating. Like I was mocking like my turkey, avocado, egg white addiction, cause I just love like, and here's something that's still getting me. I got rid of the ice cream sandwiches if you're following along in the health saga, but I got fudgesicles, oh, fudgesicles are life. When I was a kid, they were the single popsicle size. Now I can only find the double size which I'm okay with, okay? But I'm just like, I'm not the kind of person who will eat five fudgesicles in one night. I used to be. And here's my rationale. Like my kids eat a fudgesicle and, and they weigh 50 pounds and I weigh 240 pounds. Ergo, I deserve more fudgesicle. Or it's the fudgesicle that created the man that you see before you. You see, what we say matters. If you identify yourself and speak to yourself and say, I'm just such a wretched, broken, dirty, rotten, no good sinner. True. But you are also in this very moment, perfect saint, son of God. That's how God refers to you. So refer to yourself how God refers to you. And every time sin creeps up, be like, Christmas came to destroy you. I'm not, I'm done with you. Ryan is dead. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. Ryan's dead. If you come up to me and say, Ryan, you're sinning. And I say, yeah, that dead person is sinning still. It's like they're just, ah, lashing out their final death. But Ryan's a saint. You are a saint. You are perfect in Christ. Now, this is what is so amazing. If this is you and your words matter, because the words we say matter so deeply. Think about the words that you, you say over your kids. Like, let's say, I, I'll use examples. My wife and I talk about our kids. Like, well, this kid's like that. This kid's like that. All of a sudden, if you say, this kid's the adventure one, this kid's the smart one, you know how you begin to see them? You begin to see them as the smart one. You begin to see them as the adventure someone, even if God, which he has, made kids so much more complex, all of us more complex and unique. You could say, my spouse is such an idiot. Guess how you're going to begin to see them if you say it over and over and over again? Like an idiot. Now, fair game, they may be an idiot. But you're only going to reinforce it more and more. You could say, my my mother-in-law, nicest person I know. I've said that to so many people. I've said, I've tried to say it until her husband would believe it. Melody, nicest person I know. You know what's amazing? When people meet Melody that never knew Melody, they come out being like, she is the nicest person I know. It may not be true, but I've tricked their brains to think it. You are the nicest person I know, by the way, for the record. This kid, he's just quiet. He doesn't like to play with other kids. All of a sudden, we all see that kid that way. This person, they, they'll, they'll preach and speak and they'll share the gospel all the time. That's implying that you don't and don't have to. See, the things that we say matter. And this is why God is so careful in the Bible to say things about you from his perspective, not from our perspective. See, we see the perspective around us you have people right now that you're dealing with and this is going to be next week i was trying to gonna, i was tr- going to try to rip through this whole thing but obviously it wouldn't have worked because we're already late this is i just need to know who you are because next week which is supposed to be this week is the tangible ways on how we love in light of this but if you don't get this you won't know how to love people if you don't understand that god sees you and every other person you've seen as his image bearing pers- being and or a child saved by the blood of jesus You've never met a person in your life that's not bearing the image of God. We're all made in God's image, humanity. And those who are in faith are your brothers and sisters in Christ. And until you see them like that, you'll speak and tear down. You'll have thoughts that want to slash, cut, and remove from your life. And we don't do it with murder like Cain and Abel. That's for next week now. We just say, I can't talk to them right now. You say, Ryan, do you just give all things to everyone no you just continually point to jesus and god won't have you be all things to everyone but he'll have you be something amazing for someone and i need you to remember that you're not called to solve all of the world's problems you're not jesus you're not called to get everyone to hear the gospel but you are called to have someone hear the gospel you are called to serve someone you are called to give to someone you are called you are called to befriend someone And let's stop right there for today. And then next week, um, the week before Christmas, we're going to love one another. We're just going to rip into all the ways that we suck at loving and how to do it better. Um, And then Jesus will come to be born, to take away the sins of the world, to destroy the works of the devil in Ryan's life and in your life. So let's pray.